The scripture reading is from Mark 5, 21 through 34. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. And all the lawyers said, thank God for doctors. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Stall Cups. Uh, Stephen's little aside that he mentioned reminded me of something that tickles me about this account. Uh, Mark, is, which is the earliest gospel, is careful to note that she had gone to a lot of doctors and they weren't helpful. That little phrase does not appear in Luke. What did Luke do for a living? <laughs> he leaves it out. That's, I, I don't know his motive, but uh, I just love that. If I were to tell you, uh, did you know I went to Israel this past Yeah, I know that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yes, no, that's okay. Uh, I did go. And if I were forced to pick probably my favorite locale, I, I would have to say Capernaum. It's an amazing place. This is the entrance. There's really one way in and and one way out, and it's uh, uh, Capernaum is the way many people would say it. It is, ten it is owned and tended to now by the Franciscans, uh, the Franciscan monks who were there. And it is just a beautiful, paradisal kind of setting. Let's go to the next one here. Uh, it's just beautiful and, and pristine, and, and just how you see all these beautiful trees and greenery and flowers and all, just, just very striking. And it's where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. So it's amazing to be walking along uh, just any of the, the roads or the pathways there in Capernaum and think, he, you know, where my feet are falling could well be where his feet did because it's not a, a very large place. Let's go to the next one. Um, this is a synagogue uh, that's there. And again, it's at this site that Jesus performed a lot of his miracles, at uh, this site of the synagogue. Let's go to the next one. Uh, this is fascinating. Uh, this was very, very likely Peter's house, and uh, it is now under a chapel, which is kind of real interesting looking, but this is kind of 
looking under the chapel, you can look there and see the various rooms of the house where Jesus probably spent time with Peter and the other disciples. Um, this is fascinating. You go into the chapel itself and you can look down through this glass and see different rooms in Peter's house. Go to the next one. Uh, this is beautiful too. If you look up from the glass looking down in Peter's home, you look out and there's the Sea of Galilee and uh, the pulpit and the uh, Eucharist table, just as we have, we have three of them here this morning. And it's just, a, again, a beautiful, beautiful scene. Go to the next one. Then you start walking out from there towards the Sea of Galilee, next one. And it's just, a, again, just a beautiful, beautiful scene. It's very peaceful. Uh, it's what you would expect from, from a Franciscan uh, monastery that really oversees it. Just beautiful. I think we've got one more uh, shot. This is there at the uh, very shore of the Sea of Galilee where boats would come in. Likely Jesus' boat came back from the journey that we're going to talk about in just a minute. It's probably along this shoreline as well that Jesus called Matthew uh, the disciple. Uh, let's go to the next one. Now, we were about to leave, and there's that one way in and then one way out, and we were walking out, and I was with my wife, Deanna, and she said, hey, look at the homeless person. I was like, what? Do, do you see? Do, do you see? Can you see it from there? And this is a bronzed depiction of a homeless man. I would not have seen it at all. Uh, Deanna was able to see it, and I'm not surprised by that. And, and um, I, I've read more recently from a Franciscan monk who has written some about this that it's amazing how many people will walk in and with all the beauty that's surrounding the statue, they just miss it. And as they're leaving, they miss it again. And there's just this one narrow walkway where you're going in and coming out. But so many people miss it. And there's a lesson right there. Now, if you zoom in on this uh, statue, you see there he is, homeless and everything. You get a little closer. And then if you look down at the feet, you see the nail prints there. And this is called Homeless Jesus. And it amazed me how I missed it and so many of the rest of us. We had to kind of get it called to our attention. And it reminds us of Jesus' command for us to see the unseeable. Yes, the outsider, the marginalized people. I, I was taken immediately to Matthew 25 where it talks about the sheep who, who served Jesus because Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. You could just add in there, I was invisible but you saw me. I was unseeable but you recognized me. And Jesus just didn't talk about seeing the unseeable. He modeled it. In fact, he modeled it in the city of Capernaum when he was returning from another mission. He had just gone across the Sea of Galilee, probably to the area that's now known as Kersey, and he had healed the, the demon-possessed man. You know that intense story, and he says, my name is Legion, for we are many, and uh, the demons go into the swine and all that. Really, really intense. Well, when Jesus returns, he has an encounter that really speaks to you and me about seeing the unseeable. Uh, let's go to uh, the first passage here, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again. This is after he healed the demon-possessed man over in Kersey and went back over to the other side of the lake. That's the Sea of Galilee. He's returning to Capernaum, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. <laughs> Maybe Jesus will have a chance to take a rest when he gets back to Capernaum. Nope, uh, definitely not. Go to the next verses here. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. 
When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said, please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. So Jesus goes across, past where Peter's house is, back over to where the synagogue is, where uh, we saw where we saw just a moment ago. And on the way, an interesting thing happens. A woman who has had a hemorrhaging problem for 12 years, 12 years, 4,380 days, 4,380 days of having that, that, that disease, but also being an outcast, no doubt, being treated like a leper, being definitely treated as one who is unseeable, she has the wherewithal to, to slide into that crowd, and she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, the, t- the hem of his robe, perhaps I will be healed. And she does just that, and she is healed. There's a physical cure at that point, and that's miraculous. But Jesus is always, you may have heard me say this before, but what did people call Jesus more than anything else? What title? Somebody help me. Rabbi, which means what? Teacher. Everything Jesus did was... It was made for a calculated teaching effect. Everything Jesus did, even the miracles. Whenever he performed a miracle, yes, sometimes it would show his uh, divine power. It would also show his compassion. But every time Jesus performs a miracle, he's trying to make a point. And he does that here. She's physically cured at that point, and Jesus could have just kept on walking, but he stops. He says, who touched me? Let's go to the next verses here. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? All these people are jostling you around. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Folks, he knows who had done it. You know, he's Jesus, he's God. We talk about the omniscience of God. Jesus knows who it is. But he's calculating this for a teachable moment. That's what he's doing. He's waiting to see if she will speak up. And she does. Let's go to the next verses. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. He reached out to this unseeable person and put her in the middle, gave all this attention, spotlight on her, and let her offer her words, really, of faith. Now, let me say this. I don't think that this woman was looking for eternal salvation. I don't think she had that on her mind. Now, the word here, when he says, your faith has made you well, do you see that? Uh, That is the Greek word sesoken, sesoken. the the verb form of that is sozo, we we help support a sozo ministry, the verb form of that is to save. It's talking about salvation. Jesus is moving all of this in that direction. But let me say, I don't think she had a concept of eternal salvation and what that meant through Christ. I don't think people understood it at that point. She was looking for physical salvation after 12 years of suffering. Nevertheless, Jesus created this teachable moment where she could encounter the one who was the source of eternal deliverance. And it's great, he says, go in peace. The word there for peace is irene. Uh, If you look it up in the Greek lexicon, it says, of the Messiah's peace, the way that leads to the peace of salvation. So Jesus is pointing us in this story and the people around who were there at the moment to the fact that he is the source of eternal salvation. He calls her daughter. 
which takes you immediately to Romans uh, chapter 8, where, where Paul talks about how we are adopted by Christ. When we receive salvation, we are his sons and his, yes, daughters. And then he says what? Uh, go in peace, your suffering is over. I think Jesus is telling us a few things here. He's saying, yes, he has the divine power to heal people. He's also the source of eternal salvation. Uh, he's also saying that one day when we receive that eternal salvation that we call heaven, uh, we will have no more suffering, which will be absolutely amazing. But I think for our purposes here, and most importantly, Jesus is calling us to be able to stop in the midst of our crazy days where either people or life itself is just jostling us around, but stop and sometimes take a moment to see the unseeable. Those marginalized folks, are you doing that? Am I doing that? Uh, this past Sunday, I was down visiting um, our daughter Hannah and her husband Ethan, and my daughter Hannah was driving me uh, to their church. And she said, oh, I want you to hear this song. And, and it's a song by this new group. It's a, it's, a, it's a power women group, kind of a country group. Brandy Carlisle, anybody heard of Brandy Carlisle? Uh, and Brandy Carlisle and a couple other people whose names I don't remember. But they call themselves the High Women. Some of y'all might remember the High Women, right? The country group with Johnny Cash and Chris Christofferson and Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson. Uh, please don't be uh, bothered that I knew that. But uh, anyway, no, it's great music. And these, these four women are just amazing as well. And she said, this just got dropped. You know, this, ju this, this song just came along. She said, I want you to hear it. She said, because to me it's so marvelously biblical with, without necessarily being biblical. But it's called Crowded Table. And, and I just love that immediately I thought, I need to share that this Sunday because we are to see the unseeable and invite them to this table. Let's listen to this. Everybody's a little broken, but everybody belongs. I, I don't think that's a Christian song. I don't know where those four women are as far as their faith walk, but that just really spoke to me how we are called to be a house with a crowded table, and that we need to be looking for those unseeable, broken people out there who need our help and who need the love of Christ that we can bring to them. Thank God that you and I get to be a part of these crowded tables here. So as we enter into this time, let's prepare our hearts for this meal. Can we pray together? Loving God, teach us what it takes to be sanctuary for people who so desperately need it, Forgive us when in the busyness of our lives or the discomfort that we want to avoid that we simply don't look around us to the suffering of people who are going through such pain and hurt in various ways. If there are ways that we can reach out, help us to do that. Forgive us. Forgive us when we fail to be reaching out as we should. So even now as we partake of this meal together, and we look around and see beloved friends here, beloved family, beloved tribe here, may we always remember those who are outside of this place. And that the very word church, ecclesia, means those called out people, that we are called to go out to them and bring them back to this crowded table. We pray these things in your name. Amen.